Well, good afternoon, everybody, or good evening, uh, depending upon where you are in the world. Uh, my name is Patrick Milliken from the Poison Pen Bookstore in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I'm really excited to welcome our guest today, Jamal Mayfield, who has a really remarkable novel out called Smoke Kings. And we were well, welcome, Jamal. It's great to have you. Oh, it's great to be here. Um, I just got back from Winter Institute, and I was I was telling all the booksellers there, um, you know, knowledge and expression and creativity are under attack. Mm. And uh, I think booksellers are the heroes of our time. So really, really excited to be on with you today. Well, thanks so much. I, I managed to avoid a real job all these years. So I'm just <laughs> grateful for that. Um, but no, I've, I've been to Winter Institute once and it's uh, it was a lot of fun, you know, it's for that's that's still the focus is on mainly on, on the booksellers ourselves right and yeah, yeah absolutely you know and um you know it was wonderful it, it was kind of like my tribe i always say reader first writer second to be around folks that are you know pushing literacy and excited about books and want to talk about books you know it was a great experience for me so i loved it well tell us about um tell us about the portrait of jamal as a young man and how you started uh tell me a little bit about your background and um when you started writing and and kind of lead us up to, you know, the genesis of uh, Smoke Kings. Yeah, er, you know, early on, I, I was definitely a hip hop kid. So I was always writing rap lyrics and, um, you know, wanted to be the next LL Cool J. Uh, didn't quite have the right voice and, and presence, I guess, for that. So that didn't work out. But um, wanted to write crime fiction uh, for a long, long time. Um, I, I think the real real spark I read uh, back in, I think it was 2001, Writer's Rain by George Pelicanos. And um, it just blew me away. I mean, I you know, the world he created, the authenticity of it. Yeah. He could step outside his own lived experiences and create characters that still rang true to me. Um, I, I just fell in love with it. And so... Uh, Is that one of the... Uh... I, is that one of the Derek Strange and Terry Quinn novels? It is, yeah, yeah. It's actually the first one where they, um, where where they kind of first come together and get connected. That, um, yeah, those are really underappreciated novels, and they're so damn relevant now, aren't they? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Actually, I was going to ask you if you had uh, had a chance to read George's new collection of novellas. Uh, got it the day it came out and uh, had it done in, uh, in two days. Uh, so I, I'm just just a that big whole, fan of George Pelicanos. Yeah, that that uh, no knock story was is yeah. just incredible. You know, and yeah. And then I read uh, I think it was either the Washington Post or one of the papers where he talked about you know that came from his own you know experience uh, you know with his son and just the courage to you know to write that story and and you can see the authenticity again of that. That's the thing about Pelicanos. Everything is real, you know, when, when you read his books. There's something of the hero in him, too, you know. Uh, he has these kind of heroic traits. He'd kick me yeah. for saying that, but uh, he really does. Uh, great guy. Yeah. Just a good human being. Yeah, I hope I, you know, I hope I get an opportunity to run into him somewhere down the road because, he, you know, he's been such an inspiration. So, for sure. Yeah. Well, I could certainly put you in touch with him. That'd be cool. Oh, um, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah I actually did a uh, a radio show with uh, 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 Vic out in Ohio. 
and he had just uh, interviewed uh, George Pelicanos before he interviewed me. Um, and I was I was kind of jealous. I wish I had been on the phone with them both at the same time. It was amazing. Yeah. Okay, so you you started out writing. Were you writing short stories at first, or do you, are there a couple of manuscripts in your closet that we're never going to see? Uh, absolutely. Uh, it, a funny thing at uh, Winter Institute, we had a couple of uh, evening dinners with with the booksellers, and I said I had uh, six trunk novels uh, with a K, and they thought I said trunk uh, novels. So I I don't have any trunk novels. Uh, but I do have uh, a number of those trunk novels that kind of were like an apprenticeship for me, you know, and learning different things as I was going along. So, did you have any kind of mentors, or uh, did you take any creative writing courses, or was it just all on your own? Oh, I mean, I read a lot of books. You know, uh, you know, a lot of people have mentioned Stephen King's on writing, so I read that. Um, uh, I don't. There's a writing book by Saul Stein that I don't hear people talking about enough. Uh, which I think is fantastic. Um, always absorbing what other writers were saying. I told you before we came live, I, you know, if, if you went back through my YouTube history to see how many off the videos I've watched at the Poison Pen with you and Barbara, uh, <laughs> you'd be amazed because I'm, I've just been absorbing, you know, everything I could. Oh, man, thanks. That makes us feel good. Oh, yeah. yeah. You do a lot of these and you put them out there into the void and you're never sure who's watching. You know? Oh, I'm watching. I'm loading so the dishwasher cool. and I'm watching you talk to, you know, to some of my favorite writers. So uh, it's, it's been amazing. It's amazing to be here. I'm just blown away. Well, it's amazing to have you here. And, um, you know, as I said, Smoke Kings is a really, really remarkable book on so many levels. Um, it's very much a book about today. You know, it's very relevant. Um, tell us a little bit about writing the book, you mentioned that you kind of had a, almost like an, an awakening. You went in very angry. I don't want to put words into your mouth. Can you talk about that though? Yeah. Um, so, so I love Jordan Harper. Um, you know, he has that book out, uh, everybody knows. And, and, and I tell everyone, everybody should read it. It's just a fun, phenomenal book. Um, and he talks about the spirit board. Again, I'm a, I'm, I'm just a student of this and spirit board is kind of, you know, the inspirations for, um, each of his novels. And so for me, um, Smoke Kings really gestated for a number of years before I ever even sat down to start attempting to write it. Um, back in 2018, uh, my little cousin was uh, murdered in just like a senseless act of violence. And um, I remember standing out on the street, you know, we were having a candlelight vigil. And there's been so many young black men, you know, Trayvon Martin, Philando Castile, George Floyd, you know, Mike Brown, all the circumstances are different, but all of them just seem senseless, you know, these young men are gone. And it's like the biggest response we can come up with is a candlelight vigil, a Twitter hashtag, you know, a graffiti mural, something like that. And it just didn't, it doesn't feel like enough. So that was the beginning. I was just, you know, I was in a, a headspace of just frustration. Um, and then a couple of years later, we had the summer of George Floyd. And um, I just forced myself to watch all nine minutes and 29 seconds of the video. I was like, I'm not going to turn away just for my own humanity. You know, I felt like I needed to do that. And it was painful and it was hard. Um, but I, you know, I forced myself to do it. And that same summer, um, Kimberly Jones, who's a poet and activist, 
office. Um, she had a video that went viral on the Trevor Noah show. And um, you want to talk about rage. She was standing in, in, in what was effectively a war zone. Uh, you know, the rioters had tore apart the stores and burned down things. And, and, and her anger was just like palpable. It was just coming through the screen. She was so angry. This um, is in Minneapolis, but, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But what struck me was I've seen that anger before. You know, I've seen that rage. She was also so eloquent and intelligent and thoughtful in how she was, you know, responding to that moment. And that I'd never seen. I, you know, those two things kind of butted up against each other in such an effective way. And it just impacted me. And she got to the end of the video and she said, um, and they are lucky that what black people are looking for is equality and not revenge. And I was like, wow, that would, that's a great, what if, you know, what if I created this cast of characters that had gone through a tragedy and said, you know what, enough is enough. Uh, and we do want revenge. And so that's where, uh, you know, the kind of the genesis of Smoke Kings came. So the, the homicide in this book, uh, the senseless homicide at the beginning, you kind of dole it out to us. It's very interesting that structurally I found how, you know, we hear right at the beginning, look, Darius has been murdered. And that's right. kind of, that's sort of affected this group of people on an intimate level, of course. Um, but we don't really know the story. You know, and so right. throughout the first half of the book, really, maybe a little bit more than that, you salt in, you alternate chapters telling us that story, which was really, I thought, a really interesting way of doing it. Yeah, and, you know, I had tip to my agent, uh, Jackson Keeler, you know, once once he came on and we started kind of talking through, um, you know, before we got to the point of, you know, going out on submission to, you know, publishers, we really we went through about 13 rounds of edits. Um, and one of the things that, you know, I had told him is, you know, um, I, I really want uh, the reader to understand Darius. I, I really want them to go on that journey with him and, and for it to hit that much more, you know, hopefully impactfully once you realize, boy, you know, this young man has so much promise and, and, and potential and it's a tragedy that he's not here. And, and we can debate, you know, I, I see sometimes debate with some of the real life situations that happen about the character of the individual. I, I just think any kind of murder or death is just, it's just senseless. And, uh, you know, and oftentimes the debate becomes negative. You know, we hear these stories, you know, there's been so many negative stories about George Floyd, who he was as a person. And we lost the humanity of, this young man calling for his mother in his last moments. So yeah. I wanted to try to correct that, at least with Smoke Kings and Darius. And um, so let's talk about the four basic, or, or the four main characters in this in this little group. And they have a, uh, you know, they have their legit uh, PAC. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Is it, um, what is the name of their, organization I have it written down uh, you know what you're testing me now patrick i <laughs> i wrote the doggone book and i can't remember either. actions speak louder actions speak louder okay yeah so that's their their sort of the graph correct me if i'm wrong it's a grassroots organization correct kind of fighting 
uh, for issues of democracy and progressive candidates. And this is all the, you know, within within the lines, you know, legal channels, I Correct. say. Yeah. And they have this other group. Um, and uh, we can get into it as much as you like. Uh, but Nate, you know, Joshua, uh, Isaiah, and Rachel, um, all four of these are really interesting, um, nuanced, as the kids would say, uh, characters. You know, they're not cookie cutter characters by any stretch of the imagination. And that's one of the things I really admire about what you've done here is that it, uh, you know, these characters uh, are often in conflict with themselves. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they don't react in the predictable ways that you would think they would. Um, tell us a little bit about them, about them, if you can. Yeah, you know, uh, again, read a first, write a second. So hat tip to uh, Owen Larkin, who uh, had a wonderful book, professionals years ago yeah and uh i also took some inspiration from that where he had a small group and i i, I remember reading that book and, and just being fascinated by it so I, I i've always wanted to kind of do like an ensemble group kind of a story so that was uh you know in my mind so the smoke kings and and, and the title smoke kings comes from a, a, a w.e.b du bois uh poem uh song of the smoke and the first line is i am a smoke king i am black and it was during a tumultuous time in our history, and it was a song of uh, empowerment. So um, I wanted this group to um, to be champions for Black folks. And I wanted them to be, you know, uh, really focused on uh, the right things. But that would be not necessarily an interesting novel if they didn't have internal conflicts and conflicts amongst themselves as well. So work really hard and intentionally to try to figure that out. So we we have Nate, who um, you know is, is the facto cousin. leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nate is uh you know Darius is older cousin. He's the kind of the de facto leader of the group. He's the militant. He's angry. He's uh you know he was the one that kind of hatched this you know this plan and this idea, and uh, and he's the one that's kind of full board just moving forward no matter what. You have Joshua, who is uh, Darius's older brother. And uh, as you can imagine, you know, damaged by this tragedy, also angry, also wanting to do something different. Um, I intentionally put him in the background at times, though, um, in the story, because I felt like that being that close and, and losing that brother in that way, um, you know, it would make him interesting if, if this is his brother, you know, and this is that, that they're uh, in some ways trying to avenge. And yet he's having a, uh, a difficult time, you know, moving forward with it. So that creates some of the conflict. Uh, you have uh, Rachel, uh, uh, who is, um, you know, uh, mixed race as far as ethnicity, um, very much pro-Black. Um, and I think an interesting character because I think she struggles with the other, you know, you know aspects of her, of her heritage. Um, and then we have IT, who uh, is the um, is kind of the tech wizard of the group, um, and, and the and, conscience, the conscience, and the conscience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So a lot of fun to write, you know, those four and to try to figure out who they were and you know interrogate them as I was sitting down trying to you know come up with the group. So did you start off writing the book as Nate and then turn into 
IT <laughs> are are the elements now, elements of all of you, you know, of all these characters in you. Uh, I think there's probably elements. I mean, you know, writers sometimes say, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not the story, and and certainly, you know, it's fiction, and but I, I think there's pieces of me and and all of them. And I thought that was important. I, I want to say, you know, when I first sat down to write it, um, again, um, you know, I was coming from that place of frustration and anger. Um, my first, uh, when I first started the manuscript, the, the original title was White Devils <laughs> from, from Malcolm X. And it was just an angry, it was an angry story at that point. And then I, you know, as I was going through and I was thinking about it, I said, you know, race is so complex. And it's not black and white as we make it, you know, no pun intended. And we have a hard time talking about race. And when we do talk about it, we don't talk about it honestly. And so that became my mission. I, I want to write a, hopefully a propulsive thriller that people find entertaining. But I want to talk about race in a way that maybe we haven't talked about it before. And I want it to be really honest on all angles. Um, and that was wonderfully transformative for me because I went from that really just place of anger, uh, original mode that I was in when I first sat down. And and by the way, that um, it didn't honor Kimberly Jones, who was such an inspiration, you know, because she was angry, but she was thoughtful and she was eloquent. And I, I realized, you know, thankfully, very, very, very early on, I think I was maybe 10 pages in and I said, uh, this white devil's uh, track that I'm on is not the track that I want to go on, and and I've lost my way. So I stopped writing for probably about a month or so, and was really figuring out. All right, I, I have to figure out the title because I think the title will inform how I, you know, how I go about it. So I was looking through old records and songs, and you know, just trying to find a title. And then one day I came across that, that W.E.B. Du Bois poem, and and a light bulb went off and I was like, all right, I, I found my way now. I can get back into this manuscript. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Good thing you, you know, you identified it and snagged it out of the yeah. air. Yeah. yeah. But that white devils wouldn't have been very marketable, uh, I'm I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure as <laughs> Probably well. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Um yeah, just it's funny. I I we'll go all over the place here, but yeah. Uh, at the beginning of the novel, I wrote down, uh, there's one sentence that jumped out on me very early on, uh, which was, uh, bruises are often secrets on darker skin. Mm -hmm. said, wow, what a great sentence is that, man. Thank um, you, thank you. And, and then you go on, it's interesting, you're, you know, you're very, you describe their skin color and, and the subtleties of it, of the main players. You know, Nate's described, you know, he's the brown of cinnamon. Uh, mm -hmm. Joshua is a dark skinned dude. Um, you know, Rachel's light skinned, you know, and Isaiah, he, he's a, an Asian guy, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I think you described his skin as smooth, tawny skin, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, that's a, that's another part of, you know, I think, you know, some of the honest conversations that we don't have when we talk about race, you know, the reality is even within the black community, um, we ourselves, uh, tend to minimize or diminish those of us that have darker skin. And we don't like to have honest conversations about those things. We elevate those of us like Rachel, who um, 
you know, has a little bit lighter skin. Um, and so I, I thought it was important to put it on the page. This right. is who they are. This is what they look like. And now you have that as well as, you know, who they are as characters as well. So can you kind of talk a little bit about, about the, uh, the, uh, the group, the Smoke Kings, their altar, kind of their mission, as it were, you know, um, and, you know, what could go wrong <laughs> and what does go wrong uh, without yeah. too many spoilers. But um... so, so they hatched this plan to kidnap the descendants of uh, perpetrators of hate crimes from the past and to charge them reparations. And they use those reparations to um, put towards a community fund where they can help some of the descendant victims of that from the past. And, um, you know, we have lots of debates. You know, we get into political when we start having some of these debates, but, you know, reparations and CRT and all those things have been in the news. And I just thought it'd be great to kind of lean in and create this revenge fantasy where they're putting it right out there. We're, we're getting reparations. Um, and I knew if someone hatched a plan like that, and that goes back to that Kimberly Jones, uh, you know, quote, and they are lucky that what Black people are looking for is equality and not revenge. I can't imagine it ever going well when your focus is all about revenge. Inevitably, it's going to go off the rails. And these young people start from a place of, of hurt and frustration, uh, which I think we all can understand um, and want to do something. They feel powerless. They want to do something to honor uh, Darius. And so they hatch this plan. And as you can imagine, it does go very badly off the rails. Well, in in some ways, they're really in over their head, you know, yes. with what they're trying to do. And that becomes more and more apparent as the book progresses. Um, and the dynamics within the group, uh, you know, I, I was saying I don't want to give away any spoilers, but, uh, and this doesn't really, but, you know, certain members of the group become a little bit more um, inclined to violence, I guess you could say, or. Sure. And then IT, Isaiah, is becoming increasingly disturbed by this. It's having sort of a crisis, a crisis of conscience, you know, and, right. uh, you know, and he. He makes the point, you know, he believes in in uh, in getting justice for other aggrieved groups, you know. Uh, so really, really interesting the way you pulled this off. Yeah, there were two things I wanted to, you know, touch upon there. Um, one is this notion, you know, and I've said it to others. Um, uh, violent reactions are probably more justified more often than they actually happen. Right. And, 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 and that's something that I, you know, again, and being honest, you know, mm. um, and I use the example, you know, no one is thrown by the businessman that loses his job and comes home and is wondering how he's going to keep a roof over his head and feed himself and his children. And in a fit of rage, knocks the pepper and salt shaker off the table and, you know, kicks over a chair. No one is blown away by that, you know, that violent reaction, that, that anger. Uh, we are blown away 
affected by, you know, anger when we see, you know, people going into a community and, and rioting, things of that nature. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that, uh, you know, in the, in the story. And I thought that was important that I, you know, kind of touch upon that. Um, also wanted to talk about, you know, from, you know, from, you know, you said IT is the conscience, you know, from that standpoint that um, though it can be justified in our minds, uh, it inevitably is not the right answer. You know, that we're where we are uh, as a people because, you know, there's been times where we have chose violence and, um, and it doesn't necessarily move the needle. So I wanted to kind of talk about both of those things. Right. And then, you know, uh, you have a couple of other really interesting characters and perspectives we should talk about too, which is uh, this great character, Mason Farmer, you know, uh, Thank talk you. about him. Where, where does he come from? I found him really interesting the way you've, there's, there's a, I detected, and I, again, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I detected a lot of empathy and compassion for him behind, in, even though he has a lot of unpleasant, you know, nasty stuff. Yeah. Uh, you, you're very right. Um, thank you for your kind words, by the way. But um, that was the honesty that I tried to get across in this now, you know, and the reality. So wait, Mason Farmer is, you know, down in Alabama, a, a former police officer who's now working uh, for a private security fam, uh, a firm, excuse me. Um, and as you can imagine, Uh, not at their best moments. And um, and that has impacted him. It's uh, it shaped how he views the world. And, um, you know, he has some troubling kind of ideas about race. He also has a very personal uh, experience that he went through, uh, his wife went through, that has uh, uh, shaped them and, and shaped their marriage. And, um, you know, I, I knew that part of the way he looks at race would, would be troubling. Um, but I also wanted to present that there are very real people, if we have real honest conversations around race, which again, we don't, that their experiences have shaped, you know, how they feel about things. And so I wanted to kind of go through and kind of explore that. Um, and, and yes, yeah, show some empathy for him because I wanted someone, um, uh, black in my community to look at Mason and say, boy, I don't like some of the things he says and I don't like some of the things he does, but I do understand him. And that was kind of my goal with that character. Uh, didn't want to necessarily make him the white knight that comes in and saves the day or any of that, but right. wanted to kind of explore how his experiences have shaped him as a person. Yeah. And how about this character, Elizabeth? Uh, what kind of what role does she play in the book? She's an activist. She's an ally. Um, and I wanted to talk about that too. You know, we talk about, you know, the March, you know, uh, Martin Luther King, and we, we talk about some of the things that have been done uh, to, to make strides for the marginalized community of black folk in this country. There were some really strong advocates outside of that black experience that were shoulder to shoulder with them at times and that were marching and putting themselves on the line as well. 
Um, and, you know, some of them have gotten some credit through the history, but I wanted to have this contemporary, you know, white woman down in, in the South who was deeply troubled by what she had seen and deeply troubled by the past and felt, I need to do something powerful, you know, to, to, to impact the, the present because some of those things in the past that we have said are so much in the past still are occurring in other ways. And so she's an activist. She has a nonprofit. Uh, you're you're going to test me, and I'm, I'm not even going to remember the name of the nonprofit, just like I don't remember the name of the PAC. Um, <laughs> I think I got it written down somewhere. Uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So she has a nonprofit, and, uh, and, and her mission, she, um, it, it was kind of um, modeled after Brian Stevenson, who has the Equal Justice Initiative out of Alabama. Um, and they have gone through and uh, researched and, and documented the over 4,500 lynchings that have occurred uh, throughout our history. So uh, her, her nonprofit is kind of modeled after that. She's very much an activist and on the front lines of trying to impact change in a contemporary setting. It's funny how we, uh, and I guess pun intended, attempt to whitewash our past, you yeah. know, to kind of make it more san, you know, to or make it uh, more palatable for us. Uh, you know, that's why you know someone like James Elroy, the writer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I admire what he does in a way, you know, because he shows, you know, he has his cops. And, you know, people talking in, with the attitudes, uh, you know, often really racist and, you know, of the time, you know. Right. Sure, a lot of it's sort of amplified uh, in his mind. Um, but I think it's very important to, uh, you know, for writers who are writing books like, like he has been in the 40s and 50s, to have his characters speak the way that the man on the street would, you know, with the, you know, backward racial views of, of the day, you know, and, yeah. not, and not try to change it to make it because you read you read some novels and you're like, yeah, this is bullshit, man. I mean, yeah, right. This is this is like Walt Disney language. This, you know, um, but we do that. We we don't you agree? I mean, I, you know, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I've never. um you know, had an issue where I read a novel and, and there's some rough language or, or whatever, um, as long as it's honest. Right. And again, you know, I think that's the important thing. You know, we, we find ourselves oftentimes where we are, where we have these debates that I don't think are meaningful debates because of a lack of honesty, you know. And, and, and to your point with James Elroy, you know, he's writing characters and what they're saying and what they're doing is true to the time um, yeah. and i think that's important yeah i mean he'll write about you know the the uh, nazi party having big inroads in this country prior to the war you know and sure. some of these things that we like to pretend didn't happen you know yeah and all we have a hard time yeah i'm sorry we, we have a hard time going back and looking at the past and you know you know um in, in a meaningful way Mm. One of the interesting things as I was, um, you know, I was doing that research, I mentioned Brian Stevenson's um, Equal Justice Initiative, which again documented the lynchings. Um, I really just expected it to be a deep South problem. So, you know, I went through and, 
you know, it breaks it down by state. I was looking at real cases, real situations uh, that have happened that I brought into Smoke Kings. Yeah. And I'm here in New Jersey and discovered, you know, five, 10 minutes away from where I live, uh, a, a black man named Mingo Jack was was lynched. Um, and they stormed the prison and dragged him out and hung him in the town square. And I was like, what? I've never heard that story. I had no idea that that was a part of our history. And and that blew me away. It was a, it was a moment I was, I was shaking, you know, as I read that, because it was just not something that I had heard about. And I thought to myself, boy, what a, a, a lost opportunity for us to, again, have honest conversations about our history. Um, and, and that doesn't happen. Well, and, and also, and you do a good job in the book of sort of, you know, educating people in a way, you know, um, by pointing out these very specific examples and, you know, showing us the, the nasty details, you know, um, you know, wasn't it from, was it Emmett Till's mother wanted people to see what his body looked like? Um, right. And you describe it and it's not pretty, you know, um, but it's very important, you know, to very show, important. you know, his eye, eye, one of his eyes was gone and, you know, these sort of details really bring it the horror of it all home. Um, yeah. And that's what I mean about honest. She wanted to have an honest conversation with the country at the time. And she she wanted them to know this is what my son, uh, who's no longer here, this is what this country and what these people that have uh, murdered him have done to him. And so it would be easy to have a closed coffin and just to, you know, tell one version of the story. Yep, they came in, they murdered him. She wanted America to see what that looks like. Um, and just such a brave, such a, such a brave decision. Oh my um, God, yeah. Can you imagine? Just honest. Yeah, just amazing, you know, in her grief to, you know, to have the, the understanding that this would be something that would be important historically um, and for the consciousness of the country. I, I you know, I, I think she's amazing. Yeah, that's that's a very selfless gesture. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, so uh, let's get back a little bit to um, to Mason, and uh, yeah, he's got he's got this daughter Nicole, who um, who uh, has a, a black boyfriend. Are they married? Is he a husband? I can't remember. Um, yeah, so yeah. a child with the, with this gentleman and. Um, mm -hmm. And it doesn't go over well with Mason. Uh, you know, oh. it speaks to a lot of his, you know, prejudices and uh and Nicole herself is sort of idealistic and and young and has these principles. And um I don't know, that that relationship just seemed very real to me, you know. Um can you talk a little Thank bit you. about that dynamic? Yeah, I know, you know, once Obama was elected, we had a lot of young people, you know, that, you know, we live in a post-racial society and it's idealistic and it sounds wonderful. And, and, and that's something I think we should aspire to, but it's not necessarily the reality. But what I love about a lot of the young people is, even though it's not necessarily reality, they're so passionate about wanting to live in a colorblind world they're so passionate about wanting to see difference and change. 
And and I wanted to kind of honor that passion. And so, yeah, she's she's in an interracial relationship. She has a you know a, you know a child uh, from that relationship. It has deeply impacted her relationship with her parents. Um, and yet she keeps plugging forward. She wants to educate her dad. Right. She wants him to understand where his blind spots are. She wants him to know those blind spots are damaging to you as a person. They're damaging to me as your daughter. And they are damaging to the relationship that you're not going to have with your grandchild if you don't start to address those blind spots. So I, I, I just thought she was a, a she's, she's a bit character in the novel, but one that I enjoyed, um, you know, crafting and, and having come in and, and speak to that aspect. And things you get the sense that things improve a bit, you know, over the course of the novel with them. They're the line of communication. Um, they play this interesting dance back and forth. Um, but he, yeah. you know, that's the thing. He he lo he lo he has two two women in his life that he adores, but it's yeah. the the relationships are are damaged, very very damaged. For uh, sure. Yeah. Let's see what else do I want to get into. This is really fun talking with you. Oh, this uh, is awesome. Let's see. Yeah. Um, I, I threw you off before. I think you were going to ask me about the other uh, uh, character, Samuel yeah, 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 yeah. Pringle. Yeah. Yeah, and and the the righteous boys. I kept thinking. Yeah. yeah. Kept thinking of the righteous brothers, but different different group. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So obviously the uh, kind of an analogy to the Proud Boys or that kind of militia-like group. Yeah. So Samuel Wayne Pringle was, um, you know, this is a crime novel, uh, but I dealt, uh, you know, I really delved into some, you know, some deep, deep themes. Um, but I wanted to honor the crime novel in that I, I wanted to really create a villain and just lean into that villain. And so... Samuel Wayne Pringle was that, you know, he's the head of this uh, white supremacist group, the Righteous Boys, and he's awful, awful, awful. He's a villain. He's a bad guy. There's no, no if, ands, or buts about it. But at the same time, um, he's an intelligent guy. He's well-read. I, I didn't want to make him just a complete caricature. Uh, so, you know, I, I attempted to add some other elements to him as well. And uh, you're talking about uh, Samuel now, not or Chipper or both. Samuel, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Samuel, yeah, mainly Samuel, yep. Yeah, Chipper has a lot of those same attributes too, just not quite as ginormous as uh, as Samuel is. Yeah, and you know, and Chipper is a character that you know was you know involved with the Righteous Boys. Is is he's also he's almost like similar to Joshua in a way. You know, he's part of this mission, but his heart is not 100% in it. Right. Um, he's going through the motions. He's, you know, he's, you know, he's there, but he's not 100% into it. Uh, even though he does have some, you know, uh, similar bad qualities to him as his older brother, Samuel. Samuel's yeah. sold in. Samuel's the leader and he's the villain for sure. Yeah. He seems kind of unredeemable. Yeah. Uh, is a bad guy. Chipper, Chipper has a bit of uh, the dude from the Big Lebowski kind of that outlook thrown yeah. in. You know, yeah. you know, under different circumstances and under different influences, 
he could probably have gone a different direction. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if there's anything else we can really say about the book. Um, yeah, one of the things one of the things I did want to ask you about is, uh, and you you said that you did intentionally set out to write a crime novel. That's correct, or did you yeah. view this as a crime novel? For sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, how rich the crime novel really is you know i think a lot of people have these sort of false ideas about it being you know just the murder she wrote cabot cove kind of that's what yeah. makes mystery novel but these days i mean it's it's such a rich field as you know um with infusions from different literary genres which mm -hmm. make it interesting and new um and also you know, through the crime novel, the at its best, you get like this really interesting street level view of what's going on in American cities, you know, or global cities, you know. Anyway, For sure. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir uh, here. But, yeah, uh, no, I mean, uh, um, you know, I, I don't remember the exact quote. I used to have a quote from Dennis Lehane that, uh, no, I, I'm a crime fiction nerd, as you can see, but I used to have a quote from Dennis Lehane where he talked about uh, you know, the crime novel being the social consciousness and, and, and mm. the purveyor of helping us understand the times. Right. And I remember, you know, reading Mystic River and just thinking, wow, you know, his PI novels were fantastic. You know, they were wonderful. They, you know, they spoke to, you know, a lot of um, important themes that we've seen in, in, in crime fiction, but Mystic River was just another level. And that was another book that just had a tremendous impact on me and, and and recognizing boy within the you know the frame of a crime story you can talk about so many things and uh you know you see it you know amongst the contemporaries um S.A. Cosby you know what he oh, does yeah. you know what he's done and what he's doing you know with his most recent All the Sinners Bleed oh man he's he's a brilliant I mean, guy and yeah. uh, and I thought Razorblade Tears also was sure. incredibly gutsy book to write absolutely, you know, absolutely. Lot, i'm sure it made a lot of readers uncomfortable which is fantastic you know? exactly exactly yeah, no i you really know, uh, admire him Dwayne swierzynski who was kind enough to give me a blurb you know and he he, he is a courageous writer you know yes, i read is. uh california bear um and that's oh, very man. personal to him he lost his daughter to leukemia and he, he was just that here care. oh yeah, was he yeah just a couple of weeks ago Oh, no, it's uh, amazing. That book is incredible. Um, incredible. On right. so many different levels and how he was able to, yeah, in many ways deal with his daughter, you know, right. what happened. So that's what yeah. I love. I love courageous writers. I love, you know, writers that are talking about things that are meaningful and, and, and a book that uh, I, I want a, a gritty crime story for sure. That's what I love. But I also wanted to have something to say. And so when I sat down to write Smoke Kings, I was, you know, I want to have something to say with this book. And I worked really hard to try to say all the things that I wanted to say, you know. Yeah, I mean, the crime novel, you know, it, it, conflict, 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 you know, it provides that template. Um, so, OK, so where do you go from here? Uh, what do you what are you working on now? Uh, it's fun. You know, I, I try not to. Uh, 
uh, speak too much. Uh, this is uh, this last month has been um, kind of a whirlwind. You know, you, I sure. wrote obviously Smoke Kings in a vacuum, and uh, and I and I worked really hard. Um, you know, with that draft, and and then worked really hard to get an agent. And once I got Jackson or uh, Keeler on board with me, worked really hard to through those thirteen edits to you know, get Smoke Kings where, you know, felt it was ready to go out to, you know, publishers and, uh, Melville and, House and is Melville a great House. place too. That is a awesome, terrific press. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Really They've been like wonderful. It. You know, I just came back from Winter Institute and, and hung out with, you know, Dennis and Valerie and Janet Joy and, um, you know, just amazing people that really care about books. And so, yeah. you know, I've been, you know, this last month has been crazy, you know, um, I, I was really thrilled. Our first trade review came from Kirkus. And uh, I don't remember the exact words. I, I, I tell everyone I should have it tattooed on my arm because it, it meant so much to me. But paraphrasing, it was like race is a complex issue and rarely has it been dealt with as affectingly and as powerfully as in Smoke Kings. And that Kirkus? meant a lot to me. Yeah. Kirkus said that? They did, yeah. And I got a star review from Kirkus. And that was like, at that point, I was, you know, I was over the moon. Then yeah. um, the next day, we got a star review from Publishers Weekly. And I'm like, right. oh, this is amazing. And then we got a, a really good review in the yeah. Los Angeles Times. And I went, oh, this is awesome. And then we got a really good review in the New York Times. And I, I saw went, the Sarah, Sarah Wyman. Sarah Wyman yeah. piece, yeah. Who I love her. I, I do too. She's, yeah. Yeah, one of the smartest people I know. Um, yeah. Who reviewed it for the LA Times? I'd be curious. Paula Woods. Oh, uh, yeah. For the LA Times. Yeah. She's great. I love her as well. She's a, a, a historian. Would, of, she's I wish amazing. she would write another novel. It's been for sure. like 20 years since her last novel, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, it's been a while. And it just kept going. You know, the Washington Post, EA, Amar. Yeah. Uh, I, loved, I loved his review. And so... Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit in my head now because, you know, Smoke Kings was in a vacuum. Uh, what I will say about where I'm at now, and you know, now I feel like there's some expectations, uh, which puts a little pressure on me. But uh, I, I know what kind of novel I want to write. And they're going to be gritty. It's going to be crime. It's going to have some kind of social commentary. Um, and it's going to have a Black gaze. You know, I have to speak to my experience. And so I'm, I'm working on something now where I'm looking at uh, the mass shootings uh, situation that we have in the country. Wow, that's that's fantastic. And yeah, all the reviews have been so great. Uh, Michael Barson has been sending them to me regularly. Um, and yeah, congratulations. I mean, Kirkus, they're notoriously grumpy reviewers. It's yeah. hard to get impressed them. Uh, yeah, that's what everyone has told me, and you know, and that was the that was out the box. That was the first one. So I was, uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, it, it takes, you know, at the beginning I said, you know, booksellers are are heroes of our times. You know, for any book to get out there and become a part of the consciousness, and it, it takes champions, you know, and so I'm just so grateful to all the reviewers the booksellers, the readers that have said positive things, the crime fiction community has embraced me, the authors, you know, Eli Craner, Dwayne Swierzyski, 
Don Winslow was our first blurb. It was wonderful. Gary Phillips, you know, Steve Gary. Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. Keith Rawson. Um, just wonderful, wonderful people, you know, and they're writing dark books and yet, you know, their personalities are not dark personalities. They're wonderful people. So this has been a, a thrill. Have you read Gary's uh, upcoming book yet called Ash Dark as Night? I haven't, uh, but I look forward to it for sure. Yeah. He's going to be coming here. We haven't set a date yet, but um, Gary's an old friend and we go back for almost 30 years now. Jesus. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, yeah. he's amazing. And, uh, you know, I, I love the, you know, one of my favorite shows on television was Snowfall. And I know, yep. you know, he contributed to Snowfall as well. So right. uh, he's not spoken about as enough enough. Uh, I think he's very much he's under starting to be now, though, I think, you know, yeah. he's like, a, you know, 30 year overnight sensation. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, but that crime scene photography in the early 60s, uh, that character, what a, what a great, what a great yeah. angle. And I think you interviewed him for One Shot Harry, I believe, right? I did. Yeah. 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 I remember looking at, yeah, I'm a, a YouTube nerd and, a, you know, Poison Pen nerd. So I remember looking at the video, uh, you know, when you were interviewing him and he sounds like a, seemed like a great guy. So. He's yeah. such a great guy. And this new book is set during the Watts riots. Oh, so wow. A couple of years out. It's, I think it's 19, late 1965 when those kicked off. Wow. wow. Um, so it's, it's really something. Yeah. Um, and you've had a chance. Have you, have you gotten an early uh, yeah. look at it? Yeah. I just read it oh, okay. uh, a couple weeks ago and loved it. Um, yeah. Do you know what, uh, what Sean Cosby's going to do next? Does he have a book in the can? I don't know. You know, um, he, he's someone, again, I, I hope I, you know, I run into him down the road. Um, he, he's, he's writing about Virginia. He's in Virginia. I, I feel, um, you know, a connection to him. I think we're of similar age. I was born in Virginia and left Virginia uh, for New Jersey. Uh, and he recently, he, he said some really positive things about me on, on social media. And I've, I've never, you know, had a conversation. I've met him. And that's what I mean. Oh, really? Everyone has just been yeah, everyone has been so supportive. And yeah. uh, I just appreciate it because reader first, writer second. I, I, I say that all the time because I love all of these, genuinely, genuinely love all of these writers and the work that they're doing. Um, and so to have them appreciate something that I you know, wrote on my couch is, it's just <laughs> been, it's been unbelievable. It's, it's probably unbelievable. Sur surreal in a way. It is, it but, is. Uh, I can't, we'll I, you know, can't believe it. We'll get used to it, Jamal. I think you're the beginning of a nice long career. I, oh, hope, I, get, I hope to get you out here to the desert too. That would be a lot of fun. I would love to. Yeah, I would yeah. love to. You know, a writer, and then we'll we'll kind of close it up here, but a writer who I doesn't seem to get enough attention um is Chester Himes. Are you a are you a Himes fan? Absolutely. Yeah. He's, yeah. Cotton comes to Harlem, you know. Yeah. Uh Rage in Harlem. I remember I remember reading a little paperback, you know, it had the you know the lurid cover with you know the drawn in characters. And I remember reading that book and just man, it, it was just crazy. It was so bonkers. Um yeah. in a good way. It was a a good bonkers, you know. So it was just so entertaining. Yeah, I mean those those Harlem domestic novels with uh Coffin Ed and Gravedigger Jones, you know, there's that whole element of yeah absurdity about the whole thing yeah I, I, and 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 by the way um 
so when we were in the New York Times, we were in the books, you know, that little book section and the cover uh, that week that, you know, uh, Sarah, you know, was so kind enough to review Smoke Kings was uh, Chester Hines, the collection that they're coming out with. And yeah. it was the, it, it was the, um, it was Every the intro uh, from S.A. Cosby had written the intro, you know, to the book. So. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. I'll yeah. So that. that would have been a collector item for me uh, if Smoke Kings hadn't even been reviewed uh, that week. But the fact that Chester Himes was on the cover, S.A. Cosby wrote the intro, and then a couple of pages within, you, you come to a review of Smoke Kings was also surreal. It was just Pretty amazing. Awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Um, well, Jamal, again, it's been a, a real treat talking with you. And uh, congratulations on the book and all the wonderful praise it's getting. Um, let me just jump over to Facebook and see if I have any questions. Do, 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 do. Ah, there are a couple that have come in. I have a awesome. friend, uh, one of our regulars uh, in Italy. Her name is Stefania. And she always asks really cool questions, interesting. Let me see if I can bring some of these up. Okay. Um, okay, yeah. One of the questions is, uh, do you think that a crime novel is the mirror of our fears in every historical period? It can be in the hands of good writers. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's why I'm very... You know, I love to read and I'm very intentional about who I read. You know, I'm going to read James Lee Burke when he comes out. I'm going to read George Pelicanos. He doesn't publish as often anymore. I'm going to read Dennis Lehane. Small Mercies last year. Yeah. Mary Pat, that character and what Dennis Lehane talked about during that period of time. It was right. honest. It was raw. It was it was beauty. It was absolute beauty. Um, let's see. Uh, okay. Does Mr. Mayfield think that a crime novel must teach us something, a moral lesson, maybe? I don't think it has to. I don't think it must. Uh, but again, I'm 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 very intentional about the writers that I read. I really, um, and again with Smoke Kings, I wanted it to be uh, propulsive and entertaining, but I wanted it to have something to say. And I think crime novels that do have something to say just resonate with me in a in a in a much larger way. So. Um, I love it when, when it does. Um, let's see. She says, I hope your books will be published in Italy too. Have you sold the rights to Italy? I don't think we've done Italy yet. We're in the UK, uh, I know we're in, you know, over in Canada, we obviously here in the U S so, uh, I hope, I hope it's in Italy as well at some point. And that's Stefania. Stefania, maybe we can get her to translate it for you. <laughs> yeah, that'd be wonderful. And, and yeah. thank you for listening in Stefania. I really appreciate you. Yeah, she's awesome. All right. Well, that's about it. Um, have a great, great evening and um, continued success. And you have an open invitation to come out here to the Poison Pen. We'd love to see you. That, that's amazing. And and it's crazy to me again, Patrick, as we close that, you know, I, again, uh, you know, such a fan of what you do and all the videos and to now have myself to go back and look at it's going to be amazing. So just an honor. I really appreciate you. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Um, all right, everybody. <clears throat> Sorry. Got a cold here. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And um, yeah, have a great night. We'll talk you to as you as well. All thank right, you. Jamal. Take care now. Take care. Hello. We hope you're enjoying our programs and podcasts with authors. 
we'd like to expand them and your help would be appreciated, please make a donation at poisonedpenfoundation.org. 100% of the proceeds will go to help connect authors with readers in this difficult time. Thank you.